Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Who can go through that? I hope you had a good Thanksgiving and had a great time with your family. I want to give a couple of uh, announcements before we get into the message. Number one, and I forgot to say this in the first service, tomorrow our sign is going up. Amen, our big Jesus sign. If you're a visitor and you're a guest, we want to welcome you. Let's give them a hand this morning. If you're a first time here, we're so glad you're here. Hope you feel welcome. And uh, when you go out, if you look out uh, to the corner of our property, you'll see a big, huge billboard sign, and our sign is going to be on the side coming from the south to the north. And that's uh, a big opportunity for us that we're really excited about. So it'll be going up tomorrow. So it'll be here for Wednesday service. Also, we've got our new cameras working and uh, trying to get our live stream to grow. Uh, I've said this a million times, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but uh, we never really wanted we never wanted to be on TV, but COVID changed all that, and so we had to buy cameras, and now we've bought better cameras, and you guys have provided that through your faithful giving. So we need people, especially that are watching online today. I don't know what camera I'm on right now, but if you're watching online today, to and you have not done this, uh, to subscribe on that YouTube channel. Find the thing that says subscribe and subscribe. You log in there. And then also if you're here and you watch live streams outside of our live stream, you would subscribe as well. Because what it'll do is it'll start to get us more traffic and more people will find it and it will pop up more on their YouTubes when they open it to, to just search for our regular messages. So please do that if you haven't done it. If you're not part of that already, that will help us to continue to expand. We, we amazingly, for the glory of God, have people that watch it all over the world. Like literally, we have people in different countries that watch it, and it's really humbling to see what God is doing. I mentioned Wednesday, and I, and I guess I mentioned it wrong, so I'm going to try to say it right this time. I don't know exactly how I said it wrong, but we have a, a podcast. So the live stream is YouTube. Facebook, and then we have a podcast. Does anybody know what a podcast is? All right. So we have a podcast. I think it's vwotexas.podbean.com. So Podbean is our, is our podcast. And uh, we got an email from Podbean this last week that somebody, I don't know who, but somebody downloaded uh, our, pod, our podcast for the 50,000th time. So we've had 50,000 downloads on our podcast. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Super exciting. So share those with people. You know, if you come out of a message and you want to reach a loved one or someone that doesn't know the Lord, take that thing and share it and send the message. It's, it's going to do a better job if you're like, man, I wish so-and-so would have heard that. Well, what better than to hear it from somebody that's not you? Amen. It's always better heard from somebody that's not us. So how many gathered with family on Thanksgiving? Had a good time, amen, ate lots of food. I want to focus this morning on family. I want to talk about family coming off Thanksgiving. And, and uh, how many know that family is very, very important? And, and if you look at our society, I was thinking about our society. Our society today, if you don't like the way our society is, okay, and there's a lot to not like, the things that are going on right now that are kind of sad and frustrating and the morality of our world, you know who we can blame? The families. Amen? I, wasn't, I didn't say your family. Why are you getting like that? Y'all look, I didn't say you're anybody's family in here. I said the families. Because families is what makes up a community. Amen? And I started to think about, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but I believe there'll be some people in here that will be with me, that you might have watched TV in the 80s and the 90s. I'm, I'm very thankful for technology today. We're trying to use it all. But I thank God for the days when you had to sit down to watch TV and you had to catch it live. I love DVRs, don't get me wrong. Say if for a pastor, a DVR is awesome because I get to watch games recorded and, and stuff like that. But there's nothing better than sitting down and having to catch it while it's on. And if you miss it, you miss it. But I remember shows, this is how much our society has decayed. I remember shows like Family Matters. Anybody remember that? Full House. And then you go back further to like Leave it to Beaver and I Love Lucy. And, you know, those shows, I remember Family Matters. I love that show and I love Full House. And they, every show had a, had a moral principle. 
Like the show was about some kind of thing that the family was going through, something the family was dealing with. And, and they weren't Christian or anything, but they had principles and morals. And the families talked and sat down and went over things. And how many know gone are the days of Leave it to Beaver? Unfortunately. But how many know we can do something about our families and we can still save our families? And we can work on the family matters. So I want to talk this morning about family matters. We're going to start off in 1 Timothy. And where are my men at? Let me see your hand if you're a man in here. Okay, now especially if you are a father. Let me see your hand. Not just a father. If you're married, you're a father. Got lots of men in here. We pride ourselves on being a strong church of men. Amen. Men who know how to lead. How many know church, no matter what society says, a godly family starts with the... Right? Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? How many know, as I said last week, this is right and everything else is wrong? Don't matter what, you, what, the, what they're trying to teach us in school. Doesn't matter what the agenda is. The Bible is right. Everything else is wrong. And so a strong family starts with a man who knows how to lead his family. Amen. Who knows how to love his wife, who knows how to teach his children. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. We understand that there are ladies in here today that are raising kids as single moms. You're the dad and the mom. Until the Lord brings a man into your life to help you serve God together, you're the dad and the mom. But it's still, no matter what society does, no matter what happens, it is still God's plan for a man to lead his family to be strong. Here's what the Bible says. This is a faithful saying. Now I'm choosing this part of scripture. This is specifically and mostly used in the Bible for a person like myself who is a pastor, or another word for a pastor is a bishop. But I want to encourage all of you men to understand that you are the bishop of your family. You are the pastor of your family. It is not my job to raise your family. I should be confirming on Sundays and Wednesdays what you're teaching your family at home. Can I get a better amen? So he says, this is a faithful saying, he who desires the position, and I was thinking about this too, how many, how many families get off on the wrong, wrong foot, so to speak, because they don't think about having kids. Remember the old song, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage. Right? That don't happen no more. Now first comes lust, then comes lust more. Maybe later down the road they might find some love, and then the baby comes, and then down the road they might consider marriage. Oh, got quiet in here. Amen. Right? I'm just saying. So maybe if we thought about it a little bit more and said, you know what, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree a man, I'm going to get a wife, and then we're going to have a baby, and we're going to have a family, and I'm going to raise it. That's what God's looking for. Okay? Now we, amen. Now we do know in here, though, that there's a lot of messed up families, amen, in here. There's a lot of families that, man, five years ago, you were not in church, amen. There's some families in here that have gone through some crazy stuff, and that's the great mercy and awesome grace of God. But now we're saying, I want my family to be godly. So maybe, think about this, Thanksgiving. We're going to keep reading here in a second. Thanksgiving just happened. Look back for you and moms and dads, especially on Thanksgiving, and think, okay, what kind of barometer was Thursday? Was, was it a good Thanksgiving? I'm not talking about the food. That's great. But I'm talking about, was there peace in your home? Was there joy there? Was it, was it good? Were you, were you with the people you wanted to be with? Were the people that you were with that you wanted to be with uh, serving God, loving God? Just think back about how you handled Thanksgiving and use that as a barometer of how you're going to handle Christmas. Maybe you can learn some things this morning that you could even put into practice to have a better Christmas. Because when family's involved and God is involved, great things happen. Okay? So here's what the Bible says. And this is where we're going to see our society change, even though it's really messed up right now, is if church families in the church start to hold the responsibility for themselves. I've always thought to myself, what would the world look like if every man would just do what a, that man is supposed to do for their family? If every family would serve God the way they're supposed to serve God. You know, there was a time, and some of these things I'm saying I did not say in the first service, but that always happens. There was a time in our country when Sunday was a day that everybody went to church. Like, I'm not, obviously not 100%, but it was, everybody went, to, people went to church. It's what people did. You see those shows like Leave it, uh, House on the, Little House on the Prairie. I mean, that whole show is built around church. And God and family and how many know that if we really have faith, 
at least Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas, we can get back to that again. How many would like to see us get back to those things again? Amen. Those kind of principles and those kind of family matters. Amen. And have that godliness in our families. So he says, he who desires this desires a good work. Let's keep reading. Here's some of the things he requires. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, able to teach, not given to wine, not violence, not greedy for money, not, or sorry, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. These are things that God wants in our houses. One who rules his own house well. One who rules his own house well. Amen. So a man has to say, I'm going to lead my home now. This is important. There's a balance here. There, there could be a man who says, I'm going to rule my house. What I say goes, and you can be mean, and you can be pushy, and you can, you can do it that way, and you can get some results. Or you can be on the other side, and you can say, I'm just going to go to work and let mom raise the kids, and I'm going to, whatever she says goes, and you can be lenient and not do anything. Or you could be in the middle where God wants us and be a man that knows how to know when to put your foot down Know when to say this is what we're doing. Have the leading of the Holy Spirit. Know when to discipline. Know when to be strong. Know when to be softer. How many get what I'm saying? This is what God's calling us to do. Ruling His own house in a way that His kids want to follow Him. And it says having His children in submission with all reverence. How many know God would not put that in there that this is something that we could have if it's not attainable? It's attainable. It's work, but it's attainable. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Lord, this morning I ask you to anoint for just a few minutes. Your word, Lord, challenges on this Thanksgiving weekend to have families that love God, families that are focused on you, families that are strong, and families that know what they believe today. We ask you to strengthen this and speak to us in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. I'm going to talk about God trusting us with our families in a second. I had a couple of examples that I used in the first service. I was thinking about around the holidays, around this time when people visit. Your door to your house, and again, I'm talking first to the the husbands and the wives and the whole family, but your house, your door, is your door. You own that door, whether you rent or own, it's your house, it's your door, and so your house, your rules. This is something that needs to happen in society more. You know, people don't, that want to do crazy things, do they ask you for permission? To act a fool, to cuss, to drink, to smoke, to fight? They don't, they don't come out. When you go to their house, they don't ask you for permission to do crazy things. So why do we let people sometimes do things in our houses that they shouldn't do? We should be able to say, this is my house, and if you come into my house, you're welcome, but it's my house my house my rules and I and I thought about a few years ago we showed the testimony and and, and we have it if you want to see it um, it's in different several different places but my brother-in-law who actually is coming to visit in, in a couple weeks we're excited about that him and Marcella are coming to visit for Christmas with the kids and he, my brother-in-law was an atheist and he did not believe in God he wasn't raised in any kind of church family and any kind of thought of God growing up just all education and he was just that's how he was and 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 when he came here the very first time he came with my sister-in-law they weren't married at the time uh, she wasn't saved and serving God and and so he found out that I was a pastor and he's like I don't want to go spend my vacation in a pastor's home I, I'm not gonna have any fun and so the first time she came, he didn't even come. The second time he came, and I remember this very clearly. And this might help somebody. Maybe you missed it for Thanksgiving, but you can do it for Christmas. Then, again, everything I say, this is up to you. I'm just, it's like Wednesday night. I said, take it or leave it. If you, but if you want to have a blessed family, you've got to make some decisions. And so when he got here, my brother-in-law got here, and this is in the past, and he shares this in his testimony. I told him, if you're going to stay in my house, you're going to go to church. When we go to church, you're going to church. I'm not going to go to church, and you're going to be in my house while I'm gone. So I, I laid that rule down, and guess what? He came to church and got saved. And if I wouldn't have made him come to church, he wouldn't be saved today. And he wouldn't be starting a church for us 
Victory World Outreach in Costa Rica right now. So when you put those rules down and you put the things down, you say, this is how it is, you take it or leave it. If you want to come stay with me, you are totally welcome. If not, get a hotel. Right? I told a story this morning of a precious young, uh, well, young, young lady. Out, She would be happy for me to call her. She is not young in age, but she is a widow, Linda. Many of you know her in our church, and, and uh, she's a blessing to us, and she's always here in the first service. And she shared with us in the beginning, I'll never forget when she shared with us, how many know your decisions sometimes are tough decisions? Family matters. And this is, this is kind of why our society is so messed up. Because people don't want to say what they believe and stand for what they believe. She had her daughter-in-law, so her, the wife of her, husband, or her son, coming to visit with their grandchildren. And as they were coming, she found out that she was bringing her boyfriend. And she told that granddaughter, or that daughter-in-law, sorry, my granddaughter is not going to sleep in my house with her boyfriend. She's not, she, they're not going to sleep here together. I don't, I don't believe in that, and I don't agree with that. And she put her foot down, and she did not let them sleep together or stay in the same, stay in house together. And to, to this day, two years later, that daughter-in-law does not talk to her. But, oh, that's mean. Oh, that's, why would you do that? Why would you want to, why would you want to do what the Bible says? Church, sometimes, you know, Jesus said mother would be against father and father would be against mother and brother against sister and sister against brother. Why? Because when you start to live according to this book, you got to make some decisions. Amen. Y'all are not amen as good as the first service. That's okay. It's the truth. you got to make some decisions. And this is exactly why our society is so messed up. Because we give in. We give in and we say, you know what, this is, I, they're here, they're family. No, you need to put some rules down and make some decisions and say some things in your house because it's your house. And here's the thing, you're responsible for your house. Amen. Can I get a better amen? You can just say amen or woe, woe is me, it's up to you. Amen. Genesis 18. Can God trust me with my family? That's the question. Can God trust me with my family? So the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom, I preached on this a few months ago. And intently I've mentioned different things in the last few weeks about this. But this is when God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin. Abraham is a godly man. I want to I show you this morning, just to make it simple, a really godly man and a man who compromises. Okay? And I want you to be, I want you to want to be this morning the men and women who don't, comp, who don't compromise, the godly people, so that you have a godly family. So in this story we're going to read in a second, this is kind of the, the, the climax of it. God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and right as he's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he's going to get Abraham and his family out, and Lot is part of his family. He's his nephew. And so when he goes to get him out, Look what it says. Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? How many fathers and mothers would like to have some insight on what your kids are doing? How many know God can give you insight? Amen? And Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So he is prophesying over Abraham that he is going to do great and mighty things. Look at this next verse. For I have known him. How many want God to know that he can trust you? In order, watch this, that he may command his children and who? And his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteous and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So what he is saying is I can trust Abraham with the word of God that he's going to share it to his kids and his kids are going to share it to their kids and their kids are going to share it to their kids and there's going to be a spiritual legacy left and all the descendants of the world are going to come through him because I can trust him with his family. We heard the song, Father Abraham, this is your chance to sing Sunday school with me, had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the, and then it goes right on, left on, right foot, and you go through this whole thing, you spin around and all this, really cool song, right? 
Hopefully our kids are singing that. And so maybe some of you have that childhood memory and some of you are looking at me like this. But that song is exactly that. We are from Father Abraham. We're his descendants. If we are believers in Jesus Christ today, we are his descendants. So the important thing you see there, maybe you didn't see it in verse 17, is the passing of things on to your children. How many know here today you're going to pass things on to your children? I mean, the, 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 the society even tells us that you're even going to pass on physical traits. How many have been to the doctor and they start to ask you, do you have this in your family? Do you have this in your family? Do you have that in your family? Do you have this in your family? And you're getting stuff passed down that's not even your fault. And you had nothing to do with it. But how many know a lot of times, not everything, but a lot of those, dis- a lot of those even physical ailments, a lot of those things that our kids are living or we're living are, are an are a attribute of the decisions our parents made. And our grandparents made. How many know we're all just grown-up kids in here? We were kids, now we're grown-up, and we are what we were formed to be. And that's why it's so important that we have a house that, that is built around God so that what we leave to our kids goes on and makes an impact in a godly way to the future generations. And somebody here along the way has dropped the boat uh, dropped the ball and I say that along the way with lots of people because that's why our society is so messed up so many parents didn't didn't take this serious or didn't take the challenge or or didn't speak this to their kids or or they or they let little things slide here and there and they didn't deal with family matters they just kind of said oh you know it's not that big of a deal and then the snowball effect begins so I'm telling you these things today because I really believe by faith that we can see God do something different. So Abraham does that. And today because of Abraham, Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob. The Bible says we serve the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then Jacob's kids turn into the 12 12 tribes of Israel. And all that comes into play to who we are today. And today there's this awesome, powerful, amazing, untouchable God-favored God nation called Israel. Why? How many, how many years later? Five, six thousand years later? Why? Because of godly decisions from Abraham. Israel. Even though they don't believe in Christ as the Messiah and is, as a general society, they're still the most favored, blessed nation in the world because they are Abraham's descendants. They have a godly legacy. On the flip side is Lot's kids, Lot's family, the family that disobeyed, the family that was entangled. Some of you are thinking, well, didn't Lot make it out? Yes, Lot made it out, but I'm not going to be happy getting to heaven if my wife and kids aren't there. Will you? Don't you want your wife and kids, your husband and kids, your family to be in heaven? Is there anybody in your family you don't want to be in heaven? Of course not. You want everybody to be there, but you've got to make some decisions. So here's Abraham making these great decisions over here and being called Father Abraham and Israel's here today because of it. But the flip side is, is that when they were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot did not have a control of his family. We see as the story goes on that he was allowing his daughters to date or be engaged to men that were not godly men. He had allowed himself to be entangled in the world. The Bible says that he was busy about the things in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the story tells us that he literally had to like literally rip him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that was strictly by the favor and grace of God. How many don't want your kids to be barely making it into heaven? How many want your kids to to triumphantly make it into heaven? And be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. But you have to make sure that they don't get entangled in this world. And his, Lot's family got entangled. And here's what I want to show you. In that chapter of, eight, of Genesis 18 that we read, it goes on. Sorry, we're not going to look at it again. It goes on in that later on in the chapter to show that Lot's wife, as they're coming out of Sodom and Gomorrah, turns around and looks back at the world. She loved the world so much she looked back at the world and that God told her, don't look back. And she turned into a pillar of salt. And then the daughters 
their boyfriends or fiancés that were going to carry on the lineage, they die in the judgment of God. So because of Lot not having control of his house, then Lot's daughters think, man, there's nobody else here for us to carry on uh, our father's lineage. And so they get their own dad drunk, have sex with their own dad on separate nights, and have kids who become the Moabites. So if you've ever heard of Iran and Iraq and all these countries in the Middle East who are the exact opposite of what Abraham was, that's what came out of that. So we see where the obedience brings blessing and the disobedience brings a curse. So what influenced Lot's families? The outside world. How much influence, you have to ask yourself, this is a personal for every family thing, how much influence does the outside world have on your family? How much do you permit? How much do you allow? I'm just going to give you a news flash. They're going to get a lot of influence whether you allow it or not, so you better control what's being influenced on them. Because I guarantee you the school's going to teach them stuff. One of the things I was kind of asking my daughters, just, you know, like, what are some of the things you guys remember, you know, growing up, and just to kind of get an idea from them of what, what they remember and how, how to help you guys. And, and, and one of the things that was told to me was that we, we, we talked about things. My wife and I never held, we never, put, we never put things off and said, well, that's too hard to talk about. We talked about things that were real. You have to have those conversations with your kids or the school's going to have them. Don't be afraid to have those conversations. The school has an agenda right now. They want to teach us all kinds of crazy things. And so we have to protect our families, and it's our job to do that. So the, in, the out, influence of the outside world is coming in. Now, I don't even know if this is in the right place in my message, but that's where it is. That's where I put it, and I'm just going to hit it right now so I don't forget it later. Part of an influence is the respect that you get inside your home that I got from my father, and my father got it from his father, and I thank God today for the honor that I have towards authority and towards people and towards just people in general because I learned that from my parents and from my grandparents, how to honor and respect people even if they do me wrong. And one of the reasons that I can tell you today that I turned out the way I turned out is because my dad did not spare the rod. Proverbs 13, 24. Watch what this says. This is something I, I, I hit as often as I can. It's so necessary. It's so important because God's word is right and society is wrong. Can I get an amen? amen. He who spares his rod. Now this is not just a physical rod. It's discipline. But it does involve the rod. If you're trying to discipline your kids with time out, you're not going to find that in the Bible. It does not say anywhere, stick your kid in a corner with their nose at the corner and leave them there for a while. Where in the Bible does it say that? It doesn't. It says, spank your kid. Now, we're going to leave this up there for a second because this is important. I, I, I want you to understand this. I was thinking about this even this week. I thank God for my beautiful wife over there, which is hard for me to even look over there because she's so pretty. So I've got to stay focused over here. Amen. But I think it was the great favor of God, or grace of God, or inspiration of the Holy Spirit that she invented for our daughters a spoon, a wooden spoon called Mr. Spoon. And the big spoon part of the wooden spoon had a face with a tear on it. And whenever our girls needed discipline, and as sweet as they are, believe me, they did, that we'd say, go get Mr. Spoon. And they'd have to go get that spoon, and they knew it was going to happen. The reason I'm saying that, I think the reason that the Bible talks about the rod as an actual thing is because these hands are supposed to be for love and comfort and not for beating a kid. Does that make sense? But you do use the hand. Sometimes you have to use the hand. And, but there's something about the rod. My, my grandma, maybe some of you will recognize this word, she used, she used the old-fashioned switch. Does anybody have any fond memories of the switch? Let me see your hand if you ever had a switch. Now some of you, are, some of you younger people are like, a switch? Like off and on? Turn it off? No. No, a thin piece of a limb from a tree. Go out and pick the switch. And we got to pick it, God bless my grandma. 
We got to pick it, but the switch. So it was something that was used. The reason I'm saying this is because the Bible tells us this isn't the only verse. It says, he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Meaning when it happens. Like don't spank your kid a week later. Remember last week? You know? But you can spank them for it in advance. My dad's going to like this. Sometimes my dad spanked us. And he said, this is just in case you are doing something wrong right now. <laughs> Remember how your dad say that to you? Yeah, my dad would do that. He's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything wrong. He says, it's just in case you do. But you know what's interesting? I have no ill thoughts of my dad at all. Because the place that he would hit me heals. The backside has soft soft uh, muscles amen and they heal but i'm telling you this is the why the jails are full this is why society is the way it is now again we understand the other side of that balance is abuse and beating and and things like that but i'm talking about being in the middle and and getting your kids to understand and respect because here's one of our biggest problems as parents is we 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 get our kids accustomed to nine or ten warnings if you do that again, and the kid's like, that's one. If you do that again, they got their hand in their pocket, that's two. They know you ain't going to do nothing, if you do anything, till eight or nine. Amen? And that's that the truth? You need to follow through with what you say. And that doesn't go with just disciplining your kids, that goes with how you live. You have to be, and before I move on this part, I didn't say most of this in the first service, but I, my dad would get, you know, when we get home, those are the worst words. When we get home, you're thinking, just do it now, Dad. Just do it right now. I don't want to do it when we get home. Because it was get home, go get the belt, go sit on the bed. The waiting was way worse than the spanking. But the thing that I learned from my dad, and I had to do this with my precious sweet daughters, who destiny had teardrops that big, is I had to follow through. My dad never told me he was going to spank me and didn't. So I knew when he said, when we get home, I was going to get punished. You know what that did? It connected a brain wave to my behind. <laughs> so that when I thought about doing something wrong, I remembered the pain from the last time. You know, that's why that's supposed to work. It's mem muscle memory. Right? And it works. And today, I have nothing but respect and honor for my dad. No ill feelings, no anger, because he disciplined me that way, and he taught me respect. So what kind of influence are you making on your kids, on your family members? And here's the biggest question. Are you building a spiritual legacy? What does legacy mean? Legacy means leaving something behind to the past, from the past. So how many know we're all building legacies? You're building something that you're going to leave your kids. Your parents built you something. Sometimes when we're sitting here in this kind of message, it's, 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 it's difficult because we have so many thoughts going so many different ways because we're all in different places. And, and, and some of us maybe were abused when we were growing up. Some of us didn't have the, that love of the parents. Some of, we have all kinds of things we're thinking about. I mean, I can see inside the cloud of your mind right now. But we cannot fix or unscramble scrambled eggs. We can't fix what's done, but we can fix the future. And whether you like it or not, every decision you make and everything you do, you're, building, you're leaving a legacy. Are you going to leave a legacy of curse or problems or struggle, or are you going to leave a legacy of spiritual blessing? Now how? How many would like to know how? I got the how. Well, I don't have the how. The Bible has the how. Where's your Bibles at, by the way? I didn't ask you this morning. Let me see your Bibles. Amen. Hold them up. Praise God. We're getting back to, this is one of the things, I said this last Wednesday or Sunday, this is one of the things we need to get back to. Our kids need to see us reading these things. They don't know if you're on Facebook, Instagram, or in the Bible. They need to see you reading this thing. They need to see you marking this thing because when you leave it behind, they're going to have all this wisdom here in this Bible. Amen? It's just something that's a tradition that's something, oh, that's old school. Well, some old school stuff needs to come back. Deuteronomy 6, watch this. How can I leave a legacy, a spiritual legacy? These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children, watch this, you and your children and your what? 
and your grandchildren must fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live. I watched my grandparents, especially my mamma and my papa, serve God, go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. They carried themselves in a way. I'd go over to my grandma's house sometimes. I remember her praying. I remember my, my grandpa, my papa reading the Bible. He, he, they left nothing but positive legacy to me. How he treated his wife, how he dressed, how he cared for her, how he sometimes put up with her. Amen. For real. Sometimes she could be mean. And he loved her anyways. Amen. Because we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. If you, here's the if. If. See, how many want the blessings of God? Obvious. We want to leave a spiritual legacy. But he says, if. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a what? Long life. Let's keep reading. Listen closely, Israel. Listen closely, VWO Denton. And be careful to obey. They will all go well with you, and you will have many children in the land. And I just, before I read this, I just want to ask a quick question. Can God lie? Can God fail? Does he waste his breath? So this is truth right here, right? God is telling us, if we obey, we will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. How many want to see your kids flowing in a land with milk and honey? Meaning blessings and favor and goodness. It's a promise, as He promised you. What if? Listen again, O.V.W.O. Denton. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must. This is important. Now, yes, you're here today. You're here today. Praise the Lord. But will you be here Wednesday? Will you be here next Sunday? Will you be here the Sunday after that? Amen. He says you must commit yourselves. We're committed to a lot of things today. And our kids are watching us commit to them. I don't care who gets mad at me or hopefully they hear it. There's people that I talk to every service. I don't say names, but they should be in church. They should be here right now. And unless they're in the hospital or jail, they should be here or work. They should be here. And I'm just, let me, I don't know what camera's on, but just you guys all here, just say, go ahead, pastor. Okay, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to them for a second. If you're watching online right now, praise God. Thank God. If you're not able physically to get here, I'm not talking to you. But if you're watching this right now from your couch, and you're not working, and you're not in jail, and you're not sick, you should be here. Can I get a bigger amen? You should be in the house of God. You should be here. Whatever else you're doing right now can be done another time. Can I get an amen over here? Otherwise, you that are watching online, don't come to me and Pastor Mario in five years and tell us how messed up your kids are. Because they need to be in church. Whatever, I'm just going to stay here for a second. Whatever event they're doing right now, whatever sport they're playing right now, whatever it is, Who's visiting? Amen. They should be here. Amen. Okay. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm, now I'm back to you guys again, that I'm giving you today. Repeat them. Some of you go, man, I've heard that story before. I'm just doing what the Bible says. Repeat them again and again to your children. You said that before, Dad. I'm saying it again. Because obviously you didn't get it. Talk about them. Watch this. Talk about them when you're at home. Not just at church on Sunday and Wednesday. When you're at home. And when you're on the road. When you're going to bed. And when you're getting up. We always talk about how are you living for the Lord. And how are you teaching your kids on Monday. And Thursday. And Saturday. As they're watching. Let's finish this up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house 
and on your gates. Last verse. Oh, that's it. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I love Hobby Lobby. I love all those signs they make. I love all the cool decorations. But church, if you're not going to commit to the Lord and you're not going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, don't put Joshua 24, 19 on your door. It, that decoration's not going to fly. He's looking for the blood of Jesus, not a plaque on your wall. And it's great to walk into a house and see all those decorations. But don't live a life or have things in your house or permit things in your house that contradict the wall things on your walls. Oh, y'all ain't listening. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. Let me close with this. I just quoted it, Joshua 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served. So if you've got some things passed down to you that you don't want to pass down to your kids, stop doing it. As great as my parents were, there are things, and they know what they are. We've had the conversations. There were things that they thought maybe were a gray area that for me aren't a gray area, and I didn't pass that down to my kids. I don't have to tell you what they were. But those are things that I, you can still learn from your parents, the good, and I wouldn't even say bad, just things that I would have done different, and I did that different. We did that different with our kids because it was a, something that could have been a double standard or something that could have been confusing. Amen? Ooh. He wants me to chase it. This, this might offend some people in here. I don't care. This is something I, I, I don't usually mention for a lot. I haven't mentioned it for a long time. And my parents, listen, my parents, every single service, they're watching right now on a new TV we were able to give them so they can actually see it. They've been looking at a, t- a telephone for the last, like, year on a, t- on a phone. So finally got them a TV that they can watch YouTube on. So I know they're super happy right now. They're still going to be happy after this. My mom was doing a great job while my dad was working hard. But I grew up believing in Santa Claus. Like really believing in him. Like till last year. No, I was kidding. <laughs> and the problem is, is, is not Santa Claus. It's not his fault. The problem is, is when we talk so much about Santa Claus that people don't know who Jesus is. And I honestly was looking more for Santa Claus than I was for Jesus. So that was something we did not ever teach our kids. We didn't put from Santa on a present. Oh, got quiet in here. Because that's a double standard. I'm not, I don't even care if you mention the name Santa or sing the Santa Claus songs. and all. Really, historically, he was actually a really good guy who gave gifts and all that. But the problem is, and my father-in-law would be shouting me down right now if he was listening because he was in the first service and I didn't, I'll tell him after that I did it. Is the problem is, is Santa Claus and what Santa Claus is today is exactly what the devil wants him to be. A replacement for the real reason of Christmas. Just like the Easter bunny is a replacement for the resurrection from the grave. So I'm just going to throw that out to you. Make Christmas about Jesus and the birth of Jesus and not Santa Claus. It doesn't mean Santa Claus can't be in a song and Santa Claus can't be ringing a bell on the corner, but you have to make, understand the balance. You have to make sure your kids are understanding that, that double standard. And that was something that I learned that I passed on. So then it says at the end, uh, she gets up to you too quick, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not just on a plaque, we will serve the Lord. We need, you need to have a vision. So last verse I want to put up real quick. Proverbs 29, 18. Have you ever thought about having a vision for your house? Like we have a vision for our business and for our church and for a lot. But for, what about for your family? Like, like I can tell you this morning that every day, not, um, and when I say that, I'm not saying I couldn't have missed a day humanly. Every day of my life, intentionally, I prayed for Dylan and Landon. Every day of their lives, I prayed for them before I ever knew who they were. I prayed for the husband of my daughters, intentionally. And I had a vision that they would be what they are today. 
that they wouldn't just come to church, that they wouldn't just be, oh, I believe in God, but that they would serve alongside my daughters. I had a vision for them. We had a vision for them. So it says if, if there's no revelation, or in other words, vision, people cast off restraint. Our girls knew growing up we go to church. Our girls went to outreach with us. Our girls went to the streets with us. They went uh, to our outreach ministry in Costa Rica with us. They, they were, we involved them. We did not let them stay home for church events. We, they went with us. And that's why they're serving God today. We've never made them serve God. We've never made them play the piano. We've never made them play the drums. We've never done anything like that. We've made it part of our lives so that they want to serve. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we do. We serve. And that can happen, church. No matter how your family looks right now, that can happen. But you have to have a vision because if you don't, they'll cast off restraint and that means they'll just do whatever. They'll just do whatever. The last thing I want to say before I pray, this is a very important one. And I say this honest to God with no person in mind, no situation that's happened. This is just wisdom. If you want your family and your kids to love church, talk good about the church don't bad don't bad mouth the church don't bad mouth people don't bad mouth leaders because when you do that you you put something in your kids or just family members that's going to stick and they're going to relate that to going to church i thank god this morning again for the way my parents raised me i had two pastors growing up one from about five to 10 or so and then the rest 10 to 10 to 18 and those two men I hold to this day they're both passed away now but in such high respect and honor you know why because my parents respected and honored them never ever once heard my parents say anything negative about the pastors the Sunday school teachers the church never I can't I would have to I mean I would have to break my brain to think of try to think of a, an incident because it wasn't there and they, I don't, that was probably the grace of God. But they raised us in that way where I've always, when I got angry at church, it wasn't because of church people. It was because people didn't, ha- it was a general thing about people not having a, a care for lost people. That's why I got mad at church. But it wasn't because of the pastors. It wasn't because of the workers. And so church, you can fix it. It's not too late to go back and say, you know what? Those things I've been saying or those things I said, I was wrong about that. Let's, church is good. Because, man, how many know some people today that don't go to church because they've been hurt by things in the church and maybe they've been hurt by things said that never even had anything to do with them. But they heard so many bad things that they got a bad taste in their mouth. Pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for this message that's going to bring so much fruit to us because there are things we've got to deal with. It's the end of November. It's Thanksgiving weekend. We should be reclining and talking about the joy of the Lord. We can if we put the work in. That work is listening to your commandments. That work is making a decision that as for me and my house, we're not possibly, maybe, going to serve God. We will serve the Lord. And my house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a place where I know what's going on in it. My house will be a place where worship and peace and the presence of God is because that's what I choose it to be. And if the devil tries to come in from the left or the right or the north or the south or through a window, I'm going to shut it because I'm responsible for my house. And I'm going to make some changes if I have to. I'm going to make some rules if I have to. I'm going to change my attitude if I have to. But I'm going to build a family that's based on the kingdom of God, the word of God, the presence of God, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's your plan. I want to leave a spiritual legacy, not only to my daughters and sons, but to my grandchildren and their kids and their kids and all the way down, Father, that when they talk about me, they talk about me like I talk about my papa and my mamma. Nothing but good examples. Nothing but godly examples. And Lord, those bad examples I've had in my life, I learned from those too. And I choose to say that's what I'm not going to do with my kids. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and the Spirit of God is here because His Word has been preached. How many in this place this morning 
could say, I don't have a relationship with that God you're talking about. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. There may be someone in this place today, you've been in church your whole life, but you don't know Jesus. You know of Him, but you don't know Him. You haven't been born again. Today's the day of your salvation. Today's the acceptable day of the Lord. How many could say, Pastor, would you pray for me right now? I don't know if I died today where I would spend eternity. Would you just lift your hand up all across this place? You're talking to me. That's me. Just put it up and put it back down. I'm not sure. We'll pray for those that are watching online in just a second. Maybe you know the Lord, but if you're honest with God, not with me, but with God today, you're not in the place that God wants you to be. You, you, you have allowed the world to pull on you. You're, you know, Lot got out. I want you to listen to this closely. Lot got out. Maybe you're here right now and you believe and you're saved, but you're not making the right decisions and those decisions are going to cause you to lose some things. Lot got out. He was saved, but he lost his wife. He lost the right relationship with his daughters. There's no way he'd ever have the same relationship with his daughters again. He lost a bunch of stuff. He got, he got out. He was saved. But where are you at today? Maybe you could say, Lord, I don't want to make those mistakes. I don't want to lose my family. I don't want to lose anything. And today you can come to this altar and you can say, Lord, I'm going to get some things in order. I'm going to get some things right. God knows your heart today. And you need to make that decision. I want to ask us to stand this morning all across this place. And we're going to open up this altar. Maybe you're a guest or you're new or your first time here or first couple times here and I know we've got a lot of people out of town today but this is still a really good turnout and this altar's here and it's open and it's big for a reason because now we have the opportunity to say Lord you spoke some things to me at that in that message and I'm going to go to that altar and I'm going to talk to you about it I'm going to ask you to work on me this is not a condemning message this is an encouraging message God wants God wants awesome, powerful, godly legacies, and the devil wants the exact opposite. He wants your family to be miserable. He wants you to go through all kinds of things you don't have to go through. But today, you can make some decisions and say, God, help me. Help me. There's enough people around to help. None of us have it all together, but I have so many influences in my life that I watched. You can watch. Look at that marriage that's good. Look at those kids that are good. What do you do? Why don't you go ask somebody sometimes? I did that. I asked people, how come your kids are so good? What did you do? How did you raise them? How do you have a good marriage? Don't be too prideful to ask somebody. Because those people can, we can help each other. And then they may be, you know what? I've been watching you and I want to ask you something too. And we can learn and we can help each other. So as we begin to sing this song, let's come find a place this morning. Let's spend some time at the altar. We're going to say a prayer of salvation just here in a minute with those that are watching online. But I want to open up these altars, and I want you to come talk to God this morning about your family. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.